0: Hello, and welcome to episode 57 of Onion Unlimited, the podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Torridon, and I'm joined again by the awesome Chris and Kyle from the Equally Awesome Two Tongues podcast. This time, we're going to be bending your mind with some quantum physics and considering how it relates to our views about Source, Angels, Incarnation, Souls, and Consciousness. I'd like your viewpoints on something I've been reading recently. I've been reading a book called Backwards, Returning to Our Source for Answers by uh, Nancy Dannison. And it presents the idea that there is a source, you guys might call it God, but we go with the word source in this book and it says it's effectively um, explains it's effectively a singularity eternal knows everything or probabilities um, outside of space and time, but is unable to basically know itself or experience anything on a kind of temporal level without a dual mm. nature to reflect itself back through. So, mm it introduces the idea that you've got source and then source produces these kind of fragmented fractal instances of itself, which the author refers to as light beings. We would probably say spirits or angels and that these vibrate at somewhat of a slower frequency than source, but still faster than humans. So you've got these like spirits, angels on this kind of spirit plane have got much more of a, even though they're spirit, they've got much more of a temporal association mm. with space and time. Mm. And then you come down a step, you've got humans. Now, the book basically presents humans, if I understand it correctly, as, as being essentially animals, animal bodies made out of flesh and bones, no different than animals that work on instinct, evolved. And when you when you look at humans without considering the spiritual side of things, there does there is an element of instinctiveness about us, animal mm. behaviour. But it seems like we've got something within us that differentiates, as certain, certainly you guys and myself and my girlfriend and some of my friends when we're talking to each other, something that differentiates us from the animals, something that is divine, something spiritual. And the way this book describes what's happened here is that the spirits or the angels on the spirit plane basically can choose to blend with a body of flesh. Mm. So it's kind of a, a sort of incarnation idea, except unlike Hinduism, where you don't really have a choice as to what you incarnate into. You just have to kind of keep going round and round in circles until you break the cycle. This idea that this author presents is that you actually choose, you get to choose the life you want as a human. You you come to earth, you experience it as a human, a spirit within a human. And then when you die, it's your body and your brain that dies and your spirit is released back to its natural form on the spirit plane. And then you get to choose, you can either do it all over again if you want to come back for another uh, human experience again, or you can go back to source and lose your individuality, or you can hang around on the spirit plane and be a spirit guide for a period of time. Mm. What's your thoughts to that? The idea, particularly the idea that as humans we are—this is not the first time we've been here. This is not our first experience. We actually are spirit creatures that maybe lived many lives before, and that we're mm. blended with flesh. Any thoughts on that?
1: Kyle kind of looked right at me. Who's so going to go you. first? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I think, what comes to my mind. I like the idea of, it fits into my pen, psychist like narrative. I like mm-hmm. the idea of thinking about a spiritual realm as a conscious existence at some, in some like parallel, uh, existing parallel to our realm somehow. If that If that, like you suggested, might be, Something as simple as, um, you know, matter or energy at a higher frequency, and so it, it exists alongside the material world. It's invisible to us because of the way it exists, uh, but it's there nonetheless. I really like that idea as a sort of materialist way, or a sort of um, maybe more scientific way of understanding how how a spirit world might be possible, and how and how supernatural creatures um, might exist. I, I think it's an interesting idea where I struggle is is that the spirit the spirits in the spirit realm that can choose to um, incarnate mm-hmm. thinking about those thinking about those spirits as different from source that's where I have trouble um mm-hmm. because I I don't know maybe I'm being naive and sh- and um, short-sighted but i I've always understood God and and reality to be Two sides of one coin and what you okay. and what you're suggest, what you're suggesting is that maybe there's a third side to the coin or maybe yeah and in between trend tran- hmm. transistory phase between god and 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 exactly. the material world
2: yeah
1: oh boy um i think it's interesting i just wonder is it necessary to have the intermediate phase um i i don't i guess where i resist is like I, i've always had trouble believing in things like angels and demons i've always had trouble believing that there are spiritual forces in the material world that don't live in us that live that are that are external to us somehow okay i've always had trouble with that what about you
2: kyle um so i am the type of person i'm interested in these kind of things but i only really ever give them the most cursory of thoughts uh because if you know, the thing that you proposed or this author proposed is true, that you can, you know, after you die, your spirit continues and you get to make some sort of a choice. I just don't think that we're ever going to know. Uh, I mean, it, it, you would think that if that was true, we would have some sort of memory of it, you know. Uh, if, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, the author says um, that we uh, we forget when we come to Earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I feel like maybe, uh, I definitely do believe that whatever the energy that your spirit is, I don't think that when you die, that that, that goes away. I mean, I think that there is.
0: I'm kind of leading you down a, um, down a particular path here. (laughs) You were speaking in one of your podcasts recently about a character known as Lilith. Yes. Yeah. Remember that one? Yes.
2: I do indeed,
0: um, yeah. the kind of demon demon woman who uh, uh is, is kind of a bad, ver- of bad version of eve <laughs> yes yes yeah it's in uh, mythology and what have you now one of you i'm not sure who it was one of you said that she steals babies' souls
2: yes
0: yeah now i got thinking on this I remember a very specific time as a child. I remember a very specific time where I felt like I came online as a conscious Mm. human. I can trace my beginning, all my thoughts back to that one moment in time. And it was, um, I was outside a hospital in a car uh, and my dad was picking up my little sister who'd just been born. And that's my first conscious memory. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I'm thinking about this incarnation idea that if you've got spirits that are incarnating into bodies, when would they be incarnating? Would it be at conception? Would it be when they're born? Would it be a little bit older? I propose in this thought experiment that they're a little bit older. So they come online, the spirit joins this baby uh, and then grows up and has a, has this Human experience. Is it possible? This is going to blow your minds. <laughs> <laughs> is it possible that there are humans out there that have no soul, no spirit? They literally are just animal bodies wow. walking around, acting with instinct, with n- not a spiritual bone
1: to them. What's your? I think thoughts, there are definitely people who behave that way. Hmm well so this is interesting for two reasons to me firstly you probably know this but firstly in the in the old days and like in the medieval period um, people didn't used to give their children names Mm -hmm. until they were a certain until they were old until they were certain i don't know how old but you know until they were a certain age because there was so much infant mortality that the idea was that if you gave your child a name you would have attachment to the child and if they died it would make it harder so people wouldn't name their children and there was a religious rationale for that which said and this goes back a very very long way that said that human beings didn't they didn't get their soul until they were a certain age Mm. um i don't know you know the deep history there but 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 that's the case so that's interesting that you say that and i also wanted to tell you that my first conscious memory is of a dream okay isn't that weird Mm. I, i had a dream i have a twin sister daniel i had a dream that me and my sister were in the back seat of a station wagon that it was the first car I remember we we had one of those woody station wagons. Yep. And uh, we were in the back and there was nobody driving. Nobody else was in the car, but the car was driving down the road and me and my sister were in the back. And I was terrified when I realized nobody was driving the car. We kept getting further and further away from home and I was scared. I couldn't stop the car. I didn't know what was going to happen. And that's my, that was my, earliest memory that's where i can find my consciousness origin in a dream isn't that weird it's interesting that it comes on at a certain point isn't it it is interesting Hmm. it is interesting so the other thing that comes to my mind is is um sociopaths you know sociopaths so you have yeah i actually wanted to touch on this
0: go on yeah oh good yeah Mm. So you That's the have very to, next doing, thing I've got down to
1: ask you. Well, let's yeah, well let's hear what you let's hear what you have to say on well, that.
0: Well, I was going to ask you if you'd ever heard of a man called Reinhard uh, Heydrich. Heydrich? No, he was an SS officer in the uh, Second World War. He was the principal architect of the Holocaust, um, mm. and he was so dark in his ways that he did things. Hitler actually referred to him as the man with the iron heart. And the oh, wow. Nazis, Hitler himself, was even scared of this guy. Um, wow. He could walk along a, a line of innocent people, shoot them all in the head, and just think of it the same way as we do when we pour bleach down a toilet to get rid of bacteria. Um, it was just a job that needed doing. And he, was, wow. he actually used to be more concerned if some blood spatters got on his uniform than about the people he just shot now somebody like that I mean sociopath psychopath mm. that to me is somebody that does not have a soul
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i can see i can see what you mean because the lack of empathy mm. Like the in, the inability to put yourself in the other person's shoes, like a lot of times that's that's what the story of the Garden of Eden is described about. It's described about the awakening of consciousness and and to go back to what Jordan Peterson says about this, he says he he struggled to understand what the story meant, what the story of Adam and Eve had to do with consciousness because knowledge of good and evil, right? That's consciousness, mm-hmm. um, and he said that um, he said that when you when you are when you are when you discover what hurts you that you immediately know what hurts somebody else so you need to have Mm, a you need that you need to have consciousness to to be you need to have consciousness in order to be evil Mm. so and that's and and so so i i I don't know because using the word consciousness and soul is synonyms i'm not sure like how far we can take that but i tend to i tend to look at it that way it's like Oh boy! It's like we were talking about understanding God as being all good and all evil, and seeing that represented on the earth in human beings. And this SS guy is the embodiment of the evil side, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know that I would say he doesn't have a soul. I would say that his, I would say his soul's twisted, you know.
0: Yeah. So and if I, you introduce the idea that. that it's an incarnation, you'd then be introducing the idea this is not an angelic soul, this is a demonic soul.
2: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So I actually have heard of that guy. I didn't understand uh, when you said his name at first, but I've heard of Reinhard Heydrich. Um, and I just think that Reinhard Heydrich is the kind of guy who, in a much more extreme form, is the guy who chose to eat cake all the time. You know, He, cho- <laughs> he chose a a different version of doing something that is obviously not good. Yeah. Uh, that brings no kind well, it's of... Beyond, like- it's
0: beyond animalistic, isn't it? Yeah, you you yeah. wouldn't see
2: um
0: brutality like that in the in unthinking um, animals
1: it's interesting um, it's interesting because you because you don't you don't see like empathy in other animals right you don't see that hmm. but you also don't see you also don't see you know that level of brutality either you don't you don't, you don't no. it's not an instinct like like a chimpanzee you know defending its his you know uh, pack or whatever you call it, mm. group. You know, it's not. It's not like an instinct to be that evil. It's, it's yeah. It's, most most
0: animals will not attack unless provoked, right? You know, they they certainly won't walk along just shooting everything. So uh, I had I've got this I, I've always had this idea of a programmatic universe insofar as the the way that everything works. It's all kind of a uh. You've got source, which is some sort of divine grid, some sort of quantum grid. And everything is kind of arising from this quantum matrix, you know, reality, the physical reality, and what have you. And then you've got kind of, for want of a better word, coding or rules or laws that are built into uh, the quantum field that dictates how things manifest themselves you know and the idea in a computer game or a, or a sim game particularly where you've got you've got like the main characters you know you are this character that's playing the game you know and you you're the soul behind the character and then there might be somebody online that is playing you know the other side of the world but there's also a real person behind that character and you're playing the right. game but then coded into this kind of um, computer generated universe, you have what are known as non player characters, NPCs. Right. They're basically just, just characters that are automated and they just respond. You know, they walk around, they respond. If you shoot them, they'll shoot you back. If you don't see them first, they might shoot you first, that kind of mm. thing. And I just wonder whether. Honestly, just wonder whether some of the bad things in the world whether we can put it down to soulless people that are NPC. little more than animals, worse than animals.
1: I don't know. It's just yeah, a that's, thought. That's really that's really interesting because it because it makes me think that if you could identify those people, then you would mm-hmm. have to ask yourself whether it's worth having them around and then <laughs> become them, yeah, yeah. immediately become them. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: My mind, I guess, my initial gut reaction is to say that I doubt that it is people who have no souls, and more yeah. people
1: who have corrupted souls.
0: I, I that's that's a that's a strong contender for the uh, other opinion that I've got on this. Yeah, very yeah. good,
1: Daniel. You're talking about the um the the grid, you know the, mm. the 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 matrix behind reality that that sort of thing that we we talk about sometimes. Source. Yeah. Um I, uh, I I was just watching a documentary last night and the guy said something really interesting that just popped in my head and I want to share it with you. Um Please. there's a guy, his name his name is Jim Al-Khalili, he's a professor at the University of Surrey and he does all of these physics documentaries. I just love them. Mm-hmm. And um and he did this one and he was talking about these scientists that were studying vacuum. They were trying to figure out can you pull all the space out of a out of a, 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 mm. a you know yeah. container? Can can you empty it? Is there such a thing as nothing? That's what they were trying to figure out. And they were doing all these experiments with vacuums. And one of the scientists said, after all these experiments, they couldn't figure out how to make nothing. It was impossible for them to get a vacuum that had nothing. Because what happened was, over really short periods of time, little packets of energy would appear inside the vacuum, and then they would disappear again. And so the idea was that there was literally energy coming from nowhere mm-hmm. coming from nothing and it would come and then it would go. And because it would come and go so quickly, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't go against any laws of physics because it happened so quickly. Yeah, And it's called vacuum energy. And what the scientist said was, he said this, he said, the vacuum is alive. Yes. Yeah. The nothing, absolutely.
0: the nothing yeah. is alive. Yeah. How cool is that? The quantum, the quantum grid The the quantum grid effectively is producing waves when agitated, and those waves are causing small packets of energy, which become, you know, when they're built up based on the laws of physics, they become the atoms and the molecules that make everything up. That's you effectively can never have nothing. There's something will always arise. That's the idea, isn't it?
1: absolutely
0: you're both aware of the um double slit experiment aren't you where photons are shone on a uh, a screen that's got two two slits in it (laughs) when you fire a load of light at the two slits As as you would imagine some of the photons go through one slit some of the photons go through the other slit and on the other side they interfere with each other in a pattern that makes it look like a wave and you say, all oh, yep. right, that will make sense. But then what happens if you fire one photon, will it go through the first slit or the second slit? Well it actually goes through both slits. Mm. And you still get wave interference the other side. Yeah. Unless Amazing. you move the detector to the actual slit. If you measure which slit it actually went through then it acts like a particle and it only goes through one. So by by moving the observer from the result to the point where the decision is made, it seems oh. that the observer actually affects the, the result. So we, we know that I'm just sort of laying this out for the people that are listening. We yep. know that dual slit um, experiment. Have you heard of Wheeler's delayed choice experiment? No, but I'm a big fan of John Wheeler,
2: so let's hear it. Mm,
0: right, so same experiment again, but this time what they do, they take they take a photon, okay, so a single photon, and they split it using – it's like a crystal that they use yep. um, to split it. So what you get is you get uh, – you end up with two halves of a photon, uh, which are what we what we call entangled i think we've discussed that before where it doesn't matter where in the universe those two photons go if you change the spin on one it will change the spin on the other immediately yeah yep. but what they do with these two photons or these two halves of the photons they send one through a double slit experiment without doing anything to it the other one, they send it through many, many, many miles of optic fibre cable. So it arrives at its version of the double-slit experiment later mm. than the first one. Yeah? I'm on the edge of my seat. But what they find is, if you observe the one that arrives first, whatever you observe that state as being, the one that arrives afterwards... Is also the same state. Okay. So it's not just the separation of distance that particles can instantly communicate with each other, but they can also communicate with each other when the time is dilated. And if you change, mm. if you change something about the the photon that's made it through it first, if you if you observe it and it collapses and it becomes a particle. The exact same thing happens with the second one without you even putting a detector there. Mm. So they call it's, it's basically what they
1: call retro causality. Ah. So <laughs> let me let me just let me just repeat this in my words. You tell mm. me you tell me if this if this is it. So so the uh, photon is um, split split in two directions, and and the one direction it's going to hit the detector more quickly than on the other. Because the photons were created in the same quantum event, they're entangled. So, correct. The one, let's say the one, the one on the left hits the detector quickly. The one on the right goes a long ways away before it hits a detector. Yep. Um, the one on the left who already hit the detector already predetermined what the one on the right was going to be before it even gets <laughs> to the double slit. Yep. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: amazing so i've, I've <laughs> see I've got this idea that source, you know coming back to source again, that source source is not the observer. Source knows all possibilities, not just in space but also in time. And time is just an illusion to source. Things that happen first and second can equally happen second and first. It doesn't matter. Every, every event that happens, wherever it is in space, wherever it is in time, source just knows where everything is and what all the potential possibilities are. But then it's us as the observers that are collapsing these wave functions, effectively making reality manifest itself. I, I love that. I love that. And, and, and this other experiment seems to indicate that we
1: can even affect the past. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I want to sh- I, w- I want to get in this this deeper, but I have one thing that pops in my head that I never really could quite understand, and it seems like it's connected to this. Um, when I was reading David Chalmers' book, The Conscious Mind, mm-hmm. uh, he's he's the guy he's the guy that talks about the the hard problem of consciousness. He said something really interesting when he was trying to make the argument that consciousness is not, um, it's not determined based on the laws of physics; it's something else. You know, consciousness Mm. can't be explained by the laws of physics. And he says it's not determined by any any physical laws. Yep. He goes through this whole book saying that consciousness is is weird. It can't be explained scientifically because it's not predictable based on physics at all. But then later in the book, he says something else. He's like, you know, there is one other thing like that. There's one other thing like consciousness (laughs) that doesn't supervene on the physical. That's the word. And that's causality. So you have consciousness and you have causality and that both of those things are like, like diamonds in the rough. They're only two things that we know about that aren't causally that aren't, um, that don't supervene on, on the laws of physics. And when you talk about causality, we're we're talking about time, aren't we? One thing causes another. Hmm. Right. Right. So, so causality is something like consciousness that, Exists somehow apart from the laws of physics that govern everything else.
0: I think it okay. means the sequential order that things happen are not determined by when the things actually happen, but they're determined by how we perceive them consciously. Mm-hmm. Just to give to give you a quick um, illustration, if you if right, so light travels at one hundred and eighty. 286,000 miles a second, something like that. And sound only travels at 1,100 feet per second, I think it is. Mm, yeah. So it's if different. you stand 1,100 feet away from a flare gun that goes off, you will see the light before you see before you hear the bang. The bang yeah. will happen a second later, but because you know that both the bang and the flash were causally related you just know that from the context it was someone pulling a trigger you associate those two items together and you say oh yeah I, i saw the flash i heard the bang but you know contextually flash bang happened at the same time if you split those two events so now you've got a flash going off and a bang going off but they're not causally related to each other Mm -hmm. okay so it's just a random bang and a random flash if they go off within let's say milliseconds of each other the light will actually reach your eyes regardless of whether the light flashed first or second Mm, right because the light it doesn't matter how how Oh, that's interesting, yeah. You fire the bang, and it takes a second to get to you. If you fire the light slightly before the bang, it will reach you first. If you fire it after the bang, because it's going so fast, it basically overtakes the sound wave
1: right? Right, and
0: arrives first. So you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, flash happened first. But outside, and plus your own uh, brain actually takes, I think it's half a second to process any incoming Mm. information anyway. So everything that we're experiencing as now isn't now. It's actually happened at least half, half a second ago, depending on how thick you are. And then you take into, event, in, into effect, whether it's a sound event or a light event and the distances involved. Everything could actually be taking place in different orders than we actually perceive it to be. Or simultaneously. Or simultaneously, ah, it, or sim, yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> that, made, that made the hair stand up on my arms. <laughs> it it me, <may>, yeah. <laughs> so, so Consciousness, in answer to your question, I think consciousness is what determines temporarily wow. so, when things happen. Um, like Einstein said, the only reason for time is so everything doesn't happen at, at once.
1: <laughs> I love it. So so time so so consciousness. Okay, so time is. Oh Jesus. Consciousness <laughs> is, the, is the temporal order that we overlay o- over the quantum reality that we yes. are. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing.
0: And consciousness, and, and consciousness is the idea of one thing happening after another in a forward-flowing direction. So consciousness the, and time are directly related, whereas source that is aware of everything in one eternal instant all probabilities doesn't experience consciousness the way we do. It will be aware. I've often likened it to a, you know, when you've got a spider in the center of a web and you've got the radials going out and it's got its little legs on each of those radials. If anything hits that spider web, it knows immediately. Yeah. That's a little bit like source. It's like it's, it's continually aware of everything that's happening. It's funny you say that, but it's not
1: time-based. It's referred to as a web in Hinduism. The universe is referred to as a web. Um, you know, that, that's interesting because that Chalmers thing I brought up about consciousness and causality um, being two very unique things. And it reminds me, this conversation <clears throat> reminds me of something that happens in science a lot where they take two theories that they that they once believed were separate, like electromagnetism, electricity and magnetism. And then eventually realize oh no this is one thing we're talking about one thing it's electromagnetism Mm -hmm. and when we're talking about time or causality and consciousness so one thing Well, we're really potentially we're talking about one thing yeah that's that's gonna i am gonna have to think about that for a month (laughs)